Hello everyone, excited for this week's episode with Robin Pam. We talk about how to tie your product marketing work to revenue, which is a really, really important topic for product marketing teams. It's something foundational to a successful PMM team, but it's something most don't do. So it's the perfect topic for the show. She has some awesome insights. My friend and really, really smart product marketer, Mary Sheehan's podcast is live. Go Mary, excited for you to launch that. Her new show is Women in Product Marketing and it's awesome, really, really well done, amazing guest list. Uh, And it's not just for women. I think anyone can really, really learn from the super smart product marketers who are her guests. So check it out. You can find it at sharebird.com slash shows. You'll see lots of podcasts there, but hers is right at the top. Uh, And from there, you can click to subscribe on any channel that makes sense for you. This podcast is a partnership with Sharebird. Sharebird.com is a peer mentoring platform. It's the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. There are awesome resources, a job board, Q&As. Check it out. It's an amazing site. If you have any feedback on this podcast in general, specific episodes, things you like, things you want to hear, ideas, email us at podcast at sharebird.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. Shoot me a DM. Love hearing from you guys. Shout out to our sponsor, Crayon. If you aren't familiar with it, Crayon is an awesome tool for product marketers. Crayon analyzes market trends for you and makes acting on insights easy. This means dynamically updated sales, battle cards, alerts, dashboards, much more. Crayon is a great tool for marketers looking to maintain differentiated messaging, improve sales win rates, and catch important updates from competitors. So check them out at crayon.co. All right, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Experts, brought to you by Sharebird. I'm your host, Marcus Andrews, and today we're diving deep into revenue. That's right, money and how PMMs can get closer to it. So I was trying to figure out the topic for this week's episode with my guest, and she dropped this suggestion on me. I quote, too often we are fixated in product marketing on getting the next launch out the door, but how can we get off the launch treadmill and actually drive revenue for the business? Whoa, I love this. This is great. She's totally, totally right. Launches are hard and there is a never ending amount of ways to package up launches and create launch after launch after launch opportunity. It's really easy to get caught up in this. And I think it feels like you're doing a good job, but have you actually just become an unstrategic launch factory? Do you know? How are you measuring launches? What if we knew exactly which efforts and campaigns had real impact on our bottom line? In product marketing, figuring this out is complicated and a lot of teams just punt on it altogether. Don't do that. Please don't do that. If you could tie your work to revenue impact, all of a sudden, I think you become a real strategic partner to leadership and a really, really important business lever. But usually we're stuck in this launch treadmill. So how do you get off it? That's a tough one. And we need a product marketing expert to help us out. We've got a good one. Robin Pam is the Senior Director of Product Marketing at Optimizely. She's been doing product marketing at Optimizely for over six years now and has a ton of experience rooting marketing to revenue. Robin, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Happy to be here, Marcus. Excited to have you. And not just because I feel like we're kindred spirits because we both have two first names and it's just tough for people like us because it's an easy thing to make fun of. Have you, do you get that? Is that a thing that people that people say to you? I, yes, I, I definitely get the two first names and occasionally people who aren't paying attention might even call me Pam. 
I, you know, I get Andrew. People will call me Andrew <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, how did you even, how did you do that? But I yeah. feel you, Robin. Yeah. Pro tip, pay attention to someone's first name. <laughs> right. Don't accidentally call it a last name. It's not a great feeling. All right. So tell us about your journey at Optimizely. You've been there for over six years. You've gone from IC to senior director. What's that been like for you? How's that experience been? Yeah. Great question, Marcus. So yes, I've been at Optimizely for six years. When I started, the first thing I had to do at Optimizely was take this new statistical model that Optimizely had created for A-B testing that was better than what they had in the past and explain that to the world. Um, (laughs) I had no background in statistics, so it was a real crash course in the industry. But over time, it's as the business has grown, as our product lines have grown, there have been more and more opportunities to take on more responsibility and grow in my career as well. And relevant to the topic of today's episode, the thing that's really helped me the most growing from IC to senior director is actually attaching myself to revenue and to business outcomes and being able to be the face of new products and their success to the rest of the company. So the specific product that I attached to at Optimizely, about four years ago, we launched Optimizely Full Stack, which was server-side testing and feature flagging for product and engineering teams. I was the first marketer on it. I was still an IC at the time. And I did a lot of the legwork to understand the customers and develop the messaging and figure out how we could sell it and take it to market and bring Optimizely to new audiences, more technical audiences that hadn't considered us before. And as the product grew over the last four years, I've been able to get promoted and take on a team and take on more responsibility, but all by tying myself to the success of that product and showing the results in the business. Awesome. Thanks for sharing so much about the story. I think that, I mean, that brings me into my Second question, which is why is getting closer to revenue, understanding outpacks, understanding impact so important to you? I think you explained that, but maybe why is it so, you know, why do you think that doesn't happen or like, why has that helped you? Like, why is that so important to the people investing in product marketing? Yeah, no, I think it's a really good question. I think for me personally, I think one of the things that was really hard in my product marketing journey was being an individual contributor, being at that senior IC level and thinking about how do I take the next step in my career? How am I going to continue to grow? How do I get to management? I think often in a lot of companies, you end up having to wait for someone to leave or wait for things to happen, or you're asking for more responsibility and like trying to find a way and a path. And I think instead of I think what really shifted for me and why I'm so passionate about this topic is I started thinking instead, like, not how can I get promoted and like, how do I do this thing that is going to benefit me, but instead reframing it into how do I find something that's going to deliver a lot of value for the company? How do I find ways to actually show the value of the things I'm doing and attach myself to things that are really important at the end of the day, in particular, you know, leads, pipeline, revenue, all of the metrics that we care about. And then the promotions will come and the increasing responsibility will come from that. So I think that that reframe from like, 
what's in it for me to what's in it for the company and how do I make the people and the team and the products around me successful was really helpful for me personally in growing my career. And I think it's something that now that I see other ICs who are asking these questions about how do I get promoted? Like that's my number one piece of advice to everyone is, you know, if you're looking for a way to grow your career, like stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about the company and the results that you're helping drive there. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it's not always something that happens in product marketing where cross-functional role, responsible for a lot of stuff. Maybe we don't always own our own channels. So we're working through other teams, you know, or a role like, you know, if you're, if you're a demand gen marketer and you have a specific lead, lead number, you can go out and chase it, right? But it's, it's, I think it's harder for product marketing. So what is that? What is, what did that look like for you specifically? Is that, you know, are you reporting on QL numbers or is it like, you know, did a lot of it come through in reporting? Are there specific tactics or things that you did that helped tell that story? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, for me, when I, when I first started working on this new product, Optimizely Full Stack, one of the things that was quickly apparent is that we knew how much revenue was coming out of the product line and was attached to the product line, but we didn't know how we were getting to that revenue. What were the intermediate inspectable steps that we could say led to that? So whether it was marketing qualified leads or sales accepted leads or SQLs, sales qualified leads or SAOs, the opportunity step, we just didn't know what that looked like. So one of the first things I had to do was actually dig into the data and understand how many leads are coming in that we can attribute to the campaigns that we're running for this product. And at the time we actually weren't running any campaigns. So that was something we had to start too. But the biggest thing there, I think that product marketing can do is understand the entire picture of the revenue generation process. So sales is going to care mostly just about what does my pipeline look like and what is the end result in dollars closed? Um, and of course, I'm talking mostly about a B2B enterprise model here, but you know, sales is going to care about revenue and dollars closed and maybe the pipeline that goes into that. Marketing demand gen is usually going to care about the leads that come into the funnel. That's probably going to be their primary goal. They might have a goal that's in the middle around, you know, SAOs or something. If you're, they're very aligned with your sales development team, the sales development team is going to care about that middle step, but everyone is just like looking at their specific slice of the revenue pipeline. And I think as a product marketer, because we work so closely with sales, because we work so closely with demand gen, because we even work closely with product and can follow things all the way through to customer retention and churn, we sit in this unique position of being able to look across the entire funnel and the entire customer lifecycle and understand how those things fit together and where the leverage points are to tie together each step of the process. Super interesting. Yeah, I think maybe it's harder for product marketers because we do have some challenges, but our point of view you know, and like where we sit and like what we can see, I think across the org really does put you in a good position to say, what is, what, like, what is working? It's, or where is the revenue coming from in your example? I think one really powerful way product marketers can do this, like you're talking about is have a good eye for, oh, this 
channel is performing super highly, there's more opportunity there. You know, if we, if we push on that, we're going to get more out of it. But also, ooh, this thing is very broken and not working. Like, can we jump in here and help out or something like that? But yeah, that, that view, I think, is, is totally unique and you got to take advantage of it. So. Yeah. And I think what, what you can do with that view across the organization and to your point there about like, is this channel performing better than others? Let's double down there is I think often we're looking at it from just a marketing perspective of like, how are we bringing people in? But I think when you start to take a view that is more of that, like go to market leader position, you can start to say, well, we're bringing lots of leads in, but our sales team isn't closing them. And so maybe it's not that we're bringing in leads from the wrong wrong places. Maybe it's that we actually need to create more effective training for the sales team to close better. Or you can look at the loss reasons and say, oh, we're losing more to this competitor. We need to actually go put pressure on the product team to improve the product so that we don't lose to that competitor as much anymore. So you can take that cross-functional view and help align the rest of the team around those priorities. So instead of just focusing on your narrow slice, you can actually like find the right places across the entire business and across the entire apparatus. You know, maybe it's changing your pricing and packaging. One thing we did at Optimizely, for example, we saw that we were starting to lose deals because we weren't even in them in the first place. So we needed a way to get a much broader footprint of installs, especially when we started going after more technical audiences and developers in particular. So I worked directly with our product leader to design and implement a free product strategy. So we had to go sell this to the entire organization and develop a strategy for getting people in the door and launching this new thing. And we were partners in that. And that was only because I understood the entire go-to-market life cycle that we were able to, to implement that strategy together. Love it. And I think, you know, we're talking about metrics and in, impacting business metrics and showing impact. But I think what you're also talking about too is more strategic things like, being able to understand like, all right, you know, the reason why we're losing here is because sales can't close. And that's related to this training issue, which is just, I think also very, there's a lot of strategic value there that leadership isn't going to get from anywhere else. So I think that, you know, one challenge is something like positioning, right? Like how do you show the impact of positioning or like what is positioning? But I think that if you can identify those gaps where it's like, look, the way say, you know, sales is having a hard time closing these deals because the positioning is mismatched from, from what our product does or what the market wants. So just love the strategic aspect of that too. It's like, Hey, we're having an impact, but you're also doing a lot of really strategic work there. Yeah. That's a really good point on strategy. I think a lot of times leadership looks to product marketing and says, your messaging isn't working or your positioning isn't working and it needs Mm -hmm. to be better. And we need to do this like (laughs) re-messaging or repositioning exercise. You know, everyone's heard that every year and Mm -hmm. really in so many cases, like things aren't working because it's actually a strategy problem. So often we look at messaging and think the messaging isn't working, but really the messaging is just a symptom that maybe the strategy isn't right. And you need to actually be the one in product marketing going back to the leadership team and saying, hey, we actually need to shift our strategy and then we can do this re-messaging work. But like 
new messaging for the sake of new messaging, when there hasn't been a strategy change, often you're just papering it over Mm -hmm. uh, and pushing the problem farther down the line. Totally. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the, uh, we're going to talk about the solution, but maybe we talk about the problem a little bit more too, where you you mentioned this launch treadmill and I talked to, you know, I think a fair, and I've experienced it. And I think a fair amount of people experience it where product marketing becomes kind of reactive uh, and we're just, I mean, this is how I think about it. Maybe you think about it differently, but you do get on this treadmill of creating launch opportunities, you know, making sure that everything is getting out from this kind of never ending list of product updates or product initiatives. Why do you think that happens? How's it happened from your point of view? Yeah, I think this is a really big pitfall for product marketing to fall into that everyone always thinks that everything needs a launch, that you have to tell your customers about everything that your product team is doing all the time. And product often really, really wants this. They like it. They like to see that what they're working on is getting resources and getting air cover from marketing. But if you step back as a product marketer and think about, you know, what impact is every single launch actually having? Who's the audience for every launch? I think in SaaS software in particular, a lot of what we experienced in my first couple of years at Optimizely is that a lot of what we were launching was actually just relevant to our existing customer base. And it's important to tell your existing customers that you're continually improving their product experience and giving them things that they want and that are making their lives better. But it's really hard to show actual impact from that unless exactly what, unless every feature you're launching is a new upsell or can be tied directly to retention. It's really hard to show any results of your effort. You know, hey, we wrote a blog post. Awesome. That's great. Cool blog post. It got, you know, 1500 people to look at it. Most of them customers. Cool. Like, you know, if you wrote a blog post and just your customers read it, did you make a difference for your business? A small one probably, but like, can you point to something that you actually did that actually resulted from that? So I think, you know, when I think about our evolution at Optimizely, I think for a long time we were launching lots of features and we had, you know, whole things where we for a long time did a monthly release email Mm -hmm. where we would track down every single thing that the product team had changed in the past month and roll it up. And this was like someone's, you know, 50, 60% of their time trying to track this thing down and gather the resources and document it all and put it in, in there. And eventually we stepped back and we said, is this actually creating impact? And does anyone care? Like, would any of our customers notice if they didn't get a monthly email that told them everything, every single thing that it changed in the product? And the answer when we, when we reflected on it was probably not. Like, people probably wouldn't really notice that they were missing that. So it felt like something that we should pair back on at the time. And what we started shifting to, we had a really incredible VP of product marketing at the time who had come from Salesforce. And she brought a model that I think was really wonderful and helped us grow a lot as a team, which was to focus on larger launch moments. So focusing on like, we did a big replatforming and that was a huge opportunity to wrap up all of the things that we had changed in our platform over six months into a much larger, more impactful launch moment. 
And I think the other thing I learned from her that I loved was uh, the fact that you can relaunch things all the time. So instead of just launching something once and putting it out there in the world, actually packaging it up again in another three to six months and launching it again in a slightly different new way and really decoupling the marketing from the product development so tightly. So what we were saying was like still really true to the product and it was still really great, but we weren't as dependent on product and as reactive to the product roadmap. We were much more in control of what we did and when, when we started to look at like, what are the impacts we want to drive? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot in there. I think the two things, I totally agree with you on the the ability to relaunch something is so true. I've seen that too, where people just don't care. I mean, it's like you do get one shot, you know, there's certain times where you get one shot to kind of unveil something. But I mean, if you have news about something or if it's, you know, something that's like been around that is updated, like, and you say, hey, it's the new thing or what, like people care, they do care. And it's like, you're not limited in relaunching stuff and then decoupling product development cycles from launch cycles, I think is super smart because just creates so many issues. I've told this story before, I think, but I've been like, you know, in our massive user conference, like in the audience on my laptop, like pushing website pages live so that they correspond with the product that's also being ungated and everything breaks all the time. It always yeah. goes wrong <laughs> and there's no need for it because you can release something three months and have it live in the product and launch it three months later. And it doesn't take away yes. from your launch. It really doesn't. But the launch moment, I do think... I don't know if I disagree, but I do think there is some balance there where it's like monthly yes. releases over communicating every little thing does not make sense. You know, the six month replatform big bundle, I think there's got to be space in there for individual products that, you know, people care about that you can shine a light on. But um, Absolutely. trying to find scale, I think as you grow is something that like we've had to deal with that. I'm sure you guys have had to deal with that. Yeah. And like, you really got to pulling back, like I think you did in your example is, is the smart thing. So is that the way to get off the treadmill? I mean, do you have to, like, how do you do it? Like if you're a director of mar product marketing at a company, you know, you're stuck in reactive world, like you're getting pressure from product and leadership to have these consistent launches. What's your advice to folks? Yeah, I think there's, there's two tactics that I think have worked really well for us to address this. The first one is having a launch framework. So categorizing all your launches as like small, medium, large, or P1, P2, P3, whatever the terminology that you use is to create tiers. And then having a transparent way of saying, like working with your product team to say, all right, like here's our framework for marketing resources for each of these tiers of launches which tier does your new thing that you're working on fall into? And that will determine how we treat it from a marketing perspective. And I think that like having that shared agreement with product and with marketing leadership about how you are going to treat, like which channels are you going to use for a major new product launch or a major new feature or a minor feature or a bug fix. That has been a really helpful tool for us at Optimizely to align on the fact that not every new feature that the product team works on is going to get the same treatment. And it's not all going to get even a lot of marketing investment. And it's also allowed us to say, but for things that are important, look how much marketing investment we're going to give you for that. I think the other tool that has been really helpful 
for us in working on this is an integrated campaign framework with our demand gen team. One thing that I think a number of companies struggle with is should product marketing live in the product org or in the marketing org? And I come down pretty strongly that I think product marketing belongs in marketing because at the end of the day, the stuff that we do is really important for the marketing function um, and for marketing metrics. And part of that is having shared integrated campaigns with the demand generation team and with the rest of the marketing team. So that means that when you know what the product roadmap is and you've decided like these are our major product launches that are coming, these are the things that are important, you can fit those into your campaign framework and say you're launching, you know, a new like mobile support for whatever your software is. This is something we've done at Optimizely, you know, support for mobile apps. We would actually say, okay, our campaign is not going to be like launching support for mobile apps. We're going to have a campaign about building better mobile apps. And we're going to fit different types of content into that and different types of initiatives and maybe some customer stories. And the product launch is going to be like a piece of that. You know, ultimately, like that whole campaign, we're trying to drive interest for this new product. But I think when you reframe it as like the product launches are in support of these larger campaign initiatives, it really helps to get you off that treadmill and start Mm -hmm. to think about how are you driving the business forward with the product launches, not how are you driving the product launches and then the business is an afterthought. Absolutely. Just to recap those two frameworks. So rigor in a framework around what is a launch? What level of launch do you have for some kind of, you know, massive new product line versus uh, a sunset or a minor feature update. And then I think we're setting pretty clear expectations around what does that mean? And then, you know, having access to the right channels that correspond with that. I'm with you. That is going to save you so much grief, so much back and forth. And I think just, you know, it's just really set clear expectations. And so a lot of the time, I think that's what sure product wants to see all of their little darling features get launched in a big, exciting way, but also they just want a good expectation around like, you know, what to expect. So I love that. And then the second one, I really like, I think the shared campaigns too, the other thing that's going to get you is just real clear alignment with what marketing cares about the most probably, which in enterprise B2B SaaS is pipeline and leads, you know? So I think if you're in that org, you really got to figure out a way to show the impact. And and it's such a good partnership too, because I mean, I don't know about you, but I find that it's really helpful for other marketing teams and the sales teams. You know, they're very hungry for that. Like what's coming from the product and like, you know, where's products heads at and like, how can we help shape that? But also how can we learn it and digest it? And so combining those two kind of things, you know, what product is working on, what's going to actually, what the market is actually going to care about is it can be a really, really good combination, but you have to be set up for it. And I think, you know, t- yeah, taking a step back and building a framework with that team, building shared goals, shared campaigns is super smart. Okay. So this can happen with, what if you're not stuck on a launch treadmill, but what if your team is closer to the sales team and you're chasing sales needs and you're getting pulled into lots of deals and you're working with on like, you're too tactical. Any advice to kind of how to pull back there and really figure out like tie your work to revenue? Yeah, I think this is definitely a pitfall and it certainly happens more in certain 
corners of product marketing. I think competitive intelligence is a place where we see this happen a lot, Mm -hmm. where it's really easy to get sucked into supporting individual deals and really getting a thrill from working with reps and be taking credit for those wins. Yeah. I think the thing I would suggest in this kind of situation, like sales is always going to ask for lots of different things. And it's really good as a product marketer to be in tune with what the sales team wants, what they need, what's happening. And I think it's actually a big strength to be involved in individual deals because you know, it gives you a connection to the field and it helps you know what's going on on the ground. And it gives you a lot of credibility, which is incredibly important as a product marketer when you're trying to influence the organization without a lot of real authority. But I think the key thing and how do you pull back from that is you have to be able to take a step back and synthesize what you've learned. That's the thing that I think a product marketer can do that no one else involved in those deals and involved with sales is going to take the time to do. Sales is just really focused on closing those deals and getting it done. And even a sales, like a good sales enablement function can be a really great partner for you in this as a product marketer. But sometimes you have to do it yourself. You have to say, you know, I've been in these 10 deals and here's what I've seen and here's the patterns. And if you can be the person who can identify the patterns and back it up with real customer stories and even data. So, you know, taking the competitive intelligence example, if you can tie your data to your real deal examples and overlay, you're probably a super smart person being a product marketer. Like Hmm. if you can identify those patterns and put it all together in a way that's like actionable and strategic, that helps push product in the right ways, that helps push marketing in the right ways, that helps move the company to a better position in the market. That's how you're going to get out of that day-to-day of helping in every deal. So it might be something that at first you have to carve out a little bit of time. Like no one's going to ask you to do this. I think that's the other point that I want to make here is that Mm. no one on the sales team is sitting there saying, gosh, I wish that product marketer wouldn't help me with as many deals and would actually like give me more insight. No, the sales team is going to say product marketer, give me another customer story. Give me better talking points. <laughs> like, Give me all these things. And your job as a product marketer is actually to say like, okay, thanks for all that feedback. Super interesting. Here's what I've seen. Here's what I've observed. Here's the data. This is actually what I think we need to make a difference. So like having the data, having the credibility, having the stories, those are the things that are going to help you up level and get out of that day-to-day sales chase. Yeah. I love that. And I think you made lots of really good points, but there is so much value in power, especially early on at a company over time, it may just become second nature, but really being, spending time with them sales or or maybe it's like the support team. It's really interesting spending time with support reps and like listening to customer calls, right? But there's so much power you gain, empathy for the customer, like the understanding of the customer, the understanding of the the sales process. Yeah. And when you have that, you know, that view that we have at product marketing, I do think it it allows you to connect dots that others others can't. But yeah, there's so much power from knowing the sales process, knowing the customer, but then also knowing the product and the market really well. And if you're- If you're missing on those, or if you don't have, if you can't speak to them, it's hard. It puts you in a tough spot. So it's great advice. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the only other thing I'd add there in terms of connecting the dots and having that, 
that power is, I think you mentioned it, being close to the customers. So I think being close to sales is a way to be close to the customers. One thing that's been really powerful for me is actually developing relationships directly with the customers and yeah. not always using sales as a mediator for that. And having you know a couple of customers that I talk to on a regular basis who I have direct relationships with has been incredibly powerful as a different way to build up that credibility and build up that, that power within the organization too. Yeah. And you can really, I've seen that work too. And like, I mean, it's such a good advice. So I hope people really listen to that one too, because also, you know, if you make some friends of customers, you can help them, you know? So I think it's like, Hey, you know what? There's, I like to think about it by, you know, use case or like example for my different, like we've got three, three value pillars for the suite that I work on. And it's great to have one customer for each of those who I really think of and can talk about. But it's, you know, it's fun to help them because you can be like, hey, there's this beta coming. I know it'll be perfect for you. Let's get you guys in and I'm going to make sure you're set up well. And then you're going to be a case study for me, you know? And it's like, or something, you get a question from leadership or you get a question from sales. And it's like, you know what, I'm going to email Mike, see what he thinks about this thing. And it's so beneficial to have that in your back pocket as a PMM. Definitely. All right. So what mistakes are people going to make? You know, I'm trying to do this for the first time. I want to push things more strategically. Any, we've talked about some of the pitfalls, but any advice for someone trying to get off this launch treadmill, trying to be more strategic? Yeah. I think the biggest thing I would say is that no one is going to ask you to do this. No one is sitting there thinking, gosh, I wish PMM would come tell me how the business is working and not working. No one is thinking like, I wish someone would send me a weekly email summarizing how the business is doing this week or a monthly summary of performance. So a lot of this is about identifying those opportunities yourself and being proactive to seize them. I think the the biggest thing for me that was helpful was I just started doing things. I started sending a weekly email to company leadership saying, here's, here's the pipeline. Here's the deals that we're tracking. Here's the feedback we're getting from customers. Here's what marketing has done over the past week to help drive this business. Here's where renewals might be looking dicey. You know, sending that whole, like, first of all, creating an email or a deck or a summary of how the business is doing is really helpful for you because it's very non-threatening to everybody around you. Everyone's like, oh, you're just collecting data. Cool. I can give you data. It helps you get really close to the data and understand what's actually going on. And then you are an objective sharer of that data to the rest of the company. So it, it starts to get people used to the idea that they should come to you if they have a yeah. question about something, but no one's going to ask you to do that. So, yeah. uh, so you have to do that by yourself. Yeah. It's such a good thing to, I think, you know, it's hard to get there, but it's, it's encouraging to see you get there. I feel like I've done it in some ways with product lines where it's, you start to feel like this, you know, the CMO of your area of the product, maybe for you, it was like, you know, like the whole thing, but you feel responsibility for all these parts, of the business, or at least you can report on them and speak to them really puts you in a different place strategically. What's your outlook on the career of product marketing? You think it's a good place for people to be right now? I think it's a great place for people to be right now. I'm a huge fan of product marketing as a discipline. I think it's changing really quickly. It is evolving 
very quickly. And it's the most strategic place to be within marketing. I think CMOs of the future are going to be product marketers because they're people who understand messaging and positioning and storytelling, but also business strategy and how to connect marketing to these outcomes and business results. So I think if you can do those two things, you're going to be in a great place to have a a growing long career in marketing overall, not just product marketing. Totally agree. Robin, thanks for coming on. I really, really appreciate you spending some time with us. Great. Thanks so much, Marcus. It was a lot of fun. It's alright